This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your hosts, Senior Financial Advisors, Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of the McClelland Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I are going to be discussing the rising interest rates and the effect on homeowners. Another, My, another announcement uh, on Tuesday, wasn't there? There was. Hopefully the last announcement uh, for the year. Rates have moved up, you know, 4% from where they were near the bottom. Yeah. In, in short order. It's the fastest interest rate increase ever. People in this country. People don't realize how much it is. So last year, we were at 0.25%, one quarter of 1%. And we're now sitting at 4.25%. Do you know in percentage rate what increase that is? <laughs> it's big. Is it a couple it's, of hundred? It's 1,700% increase. So remember, if you go from 0.25 to 0.5, that's a 100% increase. We're 1,700%, 17 times the interest rate was back just uh, less than a year ago. So I have a a little story to talk. I was out uh, to dinner with another financial advisor from from Royal Bank, very successful advisor. And both of us have been in the industry over 30 years. And we were talking about uh, interest rates and the impact that it's had on us personally. And as, as many of you know, I've been doing a rebuild of our main cottage. And I decided that I was gonna finance it with debt. And I decided, I thought, oh, I can live with interest rates going up a couple of percent. There was some talk about it happening. So I figured rates might go up 2% during the time from when we started the build to the end of the build. And I was dead wrong. What I found interesting is this other advisor who I would have thought might have known better. He did the exact same mistake. He was doing a, uh, he had uh, bought a property in Florida, built a place, and, and then sold it, and he's rebuilding something else. I don't know why he does that. I don't know why anyone would want to rebuild a, a place more than once in their life, but he wants to do it. Regardless, we both made a mistake on interest rates, which speaks a lot about forecasting. But the impact on me has been very dramatic. Where my payments, you know, on, on one was, you know, it, it, it's gone up the payment itself, because I'm paying interest only on, and because I'm paying it off over five years, it's up 40% in terms of what my payment was where it started at. And I did these, the, the borrowing in sort of tranches, you know, uh, X dollars at a time. Each one is up almost 40%. It, it's insane. Well, I went through uh, the numbers. As you know, we have decent financial plan and some software. And I decided to take a look at what your average person would go through. And I put together some numbers. So just to give you an idea, I used a house price of a million dollars, right? That's about, you know, sta- that's that's a house about, in Toronto, that's right? A house, yeah, that's about as cheap as you're going to get for a house in Toronto. And when people buy it, let's talk about the young people because they're the people that have to usually go into the mortgages. So usually when young persons buy in a house, they try to come up with a 20% down. Generally speaking, right now, they have to borrow money from their parents. There was some article saying how long, I forget which it was, but how long kids would have to save on their own to get that 20%. That $200,000? Yeah, $200,000. It was something like 20 years of savings before they could have that money. 
to put that down payment on their own. But besides that, let's say they do have the 20% to put down. So they're gonna take on an $800,000 mortgage. Now, whenever I do mortgage amortization, I use 25 years. I know everyone's moved to 30. I don't know when the permission came to move amortization from 25. Like all in our career, it was always 25 years, right? If, if you were really good, you could knock it down to 20. Yeah. But but that was all based on cash flow. Yeah, it was the goal. I remember you used to double up your payments to try to get down to 19 because if you could push under 20, you're doing wonderful. But somewhere in the last five or 10 years, I know the government allowed 30-year amortizations and said, oh, we only use that every now and again. But I think that's standard now. But for, for the sake of this purpose, I kept it down to 25-year amortization. So I looked at the interest rates uh, where they were about a year ago, and they were approximately for a five-year fixed interest rate mortgage, they were about 1.4%. Now, for a five-year fixed rate mortgage, they're about 6.5%. So a significant change, but we don't really get too concerned about it because for ourselves, 6.5% is a pretty good deal in a mortgage, isn't it? Like, And for a lot of listeners out there, they'll think that's cheap money. And some of them have paid- Some of them have borrowed money at 12% or higher. Yeah, 18% during the 80s, right? So. Most people aren't too concerned about the youth and what's going on because they still seem relatively cheap to us. But let's talk about the changes from someone who bought a house last year to what they're gonna go through. If you have an $800,000 mortgage at 1.4%, your total payments are gonna be $3,161 per month. Okay, so a little over $3,000 a month, which is, you know, 36000 a year, it's still a lot of money. You need at least $100,000 of household income to be able to afford that mortgage. Yep. So let's talk about just, we'll start with the total payment. At 6.5%, your total payment's now going to jump up to $5,359 per month. So that's a pretty significant change, right? So now you're, you're over $5,000 a month. So you're, you're pushing 60,000 60, plus a year in payments. So let's go and break down this a bit more, right? So if you go down with this original 1.4%, the payment's 3,161. But when you're paying that, you're paying about $931 in interest every month. And in principle, you're paying about 2,230 per month. So if I think of that, of the a little over 3,000, about a third of it, a thousand's going to interest. The other two thirds is going to principal, which is a pretty good payment on your principal. Yeah, so you're actually bringing down that mortgage. When we go to six and a half percent, you're now paying 5,359, but now your interest payment is 4,276 and your principal payment is 1,083. So before it was a, a, a one to two ratio, now it's a, a four to one ratio. So it's completely switched. Yep. And and so just to give you the rough numbers, before they were applying twenty four thousand a year to their mortgage, which you know, when when you got an eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage, that's not a lot. Now they're only applying twelve thousand dollars a year to that eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Yeah. You can do the math on that, you're gonna be in that mortgage for a long time. Yeah, it's a big difference. So if we look at the difference in payments, your change in payments is $2,198 more you're going to pay out of your cash flow each, uh, each month. That's about 69.5% more than you're paying previously. So that's a big change. But the other side of that, 
whenever I look at people paying down a mortgage, think of the amount that you pay as principal is increasing your net worth. When you look at your net worth, it's going to be the value of your property minus the what your mortgage is at, right? It's a, so, it's a form of savings. Yeah. Right? So, so as you talked about before, you're reducing your principal in that mortgage by over $24,000 a year. Now you're only reducing by $12,000 a year. So there's been a big change in how much you increase your net worth. The difference in those two is about $1,147 a month. So if you want to be in the same position, you would have to save that extra amount of money on the side or do something like that or have extra payments go to put yourself in the same financial position as you were with a 1.4% mortgage. So the difference in that is about $3,345 per month. That's required to put yourself in an equal financial position between the two. If you multiply that by 12, that's $40,140 a year. In Canada, we can't deduct our interest or anything from our mortgages. So when you take that $40,140 per year, if you're in a 40% tax tax rate, which is about where you go when you're making a little bit over $100,000 a year, that's your marginal tax rate, you would need to make $66,000. $66,000 of extra income. Yeah. So... I don't know many too many people who are have the ability, even in a couple at thirty three thousand, to get a thirty three thousand dollar raise. Typically, raises are five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars if you get a really good raise. The odd person gets a twenty thousand dollar raise, but that's a lot of extra money. So what's happening is the banks are giving you a little break, but they're really not giving you a break because they're tying you up for long term. And so the little break is all of that money is going to interest, nothing's going to principal, but your payment doesn't have to go up. Unfortunately, with this most recent increase, that game ends as well. Now your payment has to go up and essentially nothing is really going to principal. So it's almost like you've got this line of credit on your house where you're paying interest only. So how does this all work? Does does this affect us all right away, Rob? It doesn't, but think of it, you know, how long are high interest rates going to remain? Let's go back to what the government initially thought. They thought inflation was transitory. They thought it would be over once COVID was, you know, uh, had had minimized to, to next to nothing, which is kind of where it is today. But obviously inflation isn't transitory. It is, it, it's going to go on for a while. It will start to come down from, and it already has started to come down, but it's not going to go from 5% to 2% in 12 months. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. There's too many price increases that are already happening that will prevent that from going quickly. It could be two to three years at this level. So interest rates could stay up there. So I, we know the people with variable rates have been immediately affected by the change. You've seen some of that. The people with the five-year fixed rates, depending on when they originally took out the mortgage, over the next four-year period, they're going to renew and they're going to be in for a shock because that's going to be a massive change for them. It's going to be a big change in their payment. That might be okay if their house had done really well since they bought it, but we know all of this has already had a little bit of an impact on housing prices. Not huge yet, because as we've talked about in previous podcasts, that tends to take a bit of time. Housing prices don't drop 30% in three months. The stock market can do that, but housing prices tend to take a little bit longer. 
Yeah, I mean, just if you took example, five-year mortgages, only 20% of five-year mortgages are gonna come due this year. Another 20% next year, another 20% the year after because they're five-year mortgages. So if they're randomly spread out every year, we're gonna see 20% of the mortgages come due, which is gonna affect 20% of the people in five-year fixed mortgages. So every time we come up for a new year, there's gonna be a bunch of people that have to renew their mortgages at an extremely high rate. And they're gonna be forced, many of them who have got pretty far into the amortization are gonna to have to be forced to re-amortize their mortgage over a longer period of time. But the people who have bought recently that are already on a 30-year amortization are gonna be stuck without much of a choice other than pay a lot more money. So let's flip the switch. Is it, is it a good time to buy real estate then? Given all of this is going on, prices are down a little bit. If you had the million dollars in cash, it'd be probably a reasonable time to buy. It's nice, but we don't know how far this is gonna go, right? So it's uh, it could be a good time to buy. It's 10% cheaper than it was, but real estate, uh, real estate cycles tend to be longer and more drawn out than what I've seen stock market cycles in the past. Stock markets move very quickly. Uh, real estate cycles seem to have more uh, breath to them. I think there was an expert just the other day that predicted prices could drop another 30% in this country. That's a big drop. Yeah. You, you know, we're so, we've been in such a bull market. We've been in almost a 30 year bull market in real estate. So we're not used to seeing corrections on real estate. It almost seems absurd. The people in the U.S. have a little bit of a different opinion because 2008 affected them quite a bit. They saw it, I know, particularly in uh, in areas like Florida, areas that I know, they saw a 40 to 50% drop in real estate prices. So they know it can happen. It's been so long in Canada since we've seen that. We're a bit, uh, uh, I guess, uh, ignorant to the idea that that can actually happen. It was interesting. I was talking to another friend this summer about the predicament that I was in. And he said to me, you know, have you ever thought of, is there anything you could do where you could take some of your investments that might be, haven't made a lot of money or could be, you know, in a, a capital loss position and use that to your advantage? And he got me thinking. And I actually went and looked at some of the recent money that I had invested over the last few years, and it hadn't done that well because of the market pullback. And so it was an opportunity for me to actually go in and sell those investments. And then what I did is I paid off some of the money I had borrowed for, for, the, for the cottage, and then I reborrowed the money and put the investments back in place. And what you do when you do that, you make your interest payments tax deductible. No, I haven't been able to do it for a big part of, of the cost of the, of the the renovation, but I have been able to do it for about 35% of the cost. So there are some things you can do before you do anything like that. You want to get some financial advice, definitely on it. You probably want to talk to your bank about it as well. And you want to make sure you're doing all the steps that are needed to make that tax deductible. Because if you, it's one of those things you could do all that work and suddenly discover you can't write off the interest. You need a very clear paper trail when you're doing that. So yeah, you definitely need a professional to walk you through the steps to make sure everything is, is legitimate. So there are potential solutions. You know, maybe one of the solutions for some is that they might have to reach out to mom and dad again for, um, for a little cash flow help. Hopefully that isn't the case. Yeah, I, when you talk about good time to buy too, I always tell people, remember interest rates are temporary. The price you pay for a house is a permanent expense. So whatever you borrow is what you borrow. Because if you pay a million dollars for a house, 
it's always going to, you will always pay a million dollars for that house. The interest rates may be at six and a half percent for now, two years from now, they may be back down to three percent. That's a temporary thing, and that can go up and down. We don't know where it's going to go. We're hoping it will eventually go down, but that could be anything. But the price you pay for a house is a permanent expense. So when you go and look at houses, if the price goes down, it's better than having a cheap payment. A cheap house is better than a cheap payment is the way that I always look at it. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.